I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Thursday. Which means it's Moody and Jakey Jakey. Moody, how's it going, man? No, things are going pretty good. I'm kind of at that weird uh, part of the year because it's uh, getting closer to fantasy basketball time. Still doing fantasy football. Pounding the coffee. Trying to help people with the playoffs. Man, it's it's going great, though. I'm a little little fired up today, you know? (laughs) Yeah. By the way, uh, you know, right off the bat, I know this is a fantasy football show, but if you're into fantasy basketball... Uh, Moody made his fantasy basketball writing debut today for the athletic with tears. Uh, and it's like super, like, it's like a two poop read, man. It's like super deep and it's so good. Um, it's, it's, I think it's our 10th entry in the fantasy basketball draft kit. We got 21. And, uh, I think by the end of next week, we'll have most of them in there. It is, I like, I, I know I like pro athletic. It's awesome. Uh, and it's really good, and I would put it up against anyone's draft kit in the entire world and say this is the best fantasy basketball information you're going to get. Uh, on that note, we also have Jake Seeley, who doesn't care about fantasy basketball. <laughs> I've actually been reading some. I used to play. Like, that's where I started in the industry because I was taking whatever job I could get. And I know, remember, I don't want to do fantasy basketball, but I took the job I could. And before that, I want to see if I could get a better reaction out of you than I got out of uh, Beller and Funston when I said it. I want somebody to recognize and say, hey, that's pretty cool. Nando, 14th year of my home league. It is the first time I've ever not made the playoffs or finished top four. Is that pretty cool? I mean, I, I think that's kind of wow. I, I just want a more of a wow I mean, experience. Been, what happened? You know, let's do that. Let's, let's turn that into some actionable material for the people listening. What happened, Jakey? Did you make some bad choices? Did you get some bad luck with injuries? <laughs> both. Did you not care because you got a billion other leagues? No, no so both. So I had a lot of bad injuries, and then our trade deadline came up. And it's a keeper league, auction keeper league. for So that kind of will skew some things. But I was trying to make a run into the playoffs. And I traded away David Montgomery in a trade, who actually I went up against this week. And that kind of screwed me. I brought in, this is the worst part about it. Like, there's nothing you can you do. Here's who I brought in at the trade deadline. Josh Jacobs, injured. Right. Deshaun Watson, right before the Wolf Fuller news happened. So I actually should have played Taysom Hill, who was on my bench. Uh, Mark Andrews, who hit COVID. Let's see. I had DeAndre Swift. Well, someone got, say COVID hit him, Jake. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so that... I know, I know the list. I know. Go ahead. Uh, so, uh, I'm joking. <laughs> James Conner was out. DeAndre Swift was out. I was forced to start Betty Snell. Uh, Darius Slayton, I traded Tyler Boyd for Darius Slayton. And that was the Tyler Boyd keeper for Darius Slayton and Deshaun Watson. So I didn't have Tyler Boyd and I had to start Darius Slayton. It just was everybody I traded for went to crap. And everybody I traded away for or traded away was great. This is what, and this is what, you know what, no, no, here's the actionable part. You said you want actionable, like that doesn't really help anybody. Here's what I'll say. Where it's actionable is the vetoing trades or saying, I don't like that trade or saying, I don't like that this team got better or whatever, because everybody sat there, was frustrated. I got Josh Jacobs, was frustrated. I moved up from Cam Newton to Deshaun Watson because 
these things, you never know what's going to happen. You, you know, you make trades at the beginning of the year. Who would have thought that Justin Jefferson for Odell, like, well, Odell Beckham got hurt. I mean, give you even a better example than that, Nando. Who's, who's better than Odell Beckham? Who's like a second rounder that just bombed? Kenny Gallagher, well, he got hurt too. You're not helping me here. I'm trying to think of somebody uh, that well, like- Moody's also here. Okay, I mean, Moody, yeah, Moody could Just help. to remind you and the listeners, Moody's here too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just trying to give you the actual information here is don't ever veto trades to go back to that. How about Cooper Cup? There you go. Cooper Cup right, for Justin cool. Jefferson in week three. People would have vetoed the living hell out of it and said, you're out of your mind. And where are we at this point? Nobody's trading Cooper Cup for Justin Jefferson. That's, I don't know if people would have gone crazy veto on that. Yes. People want to veto everything. All the time. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, well, hey. they do. We don't. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jake. Sorry. I was giving you space there if you want to rant again. Let's, uh, let's, no. let's move on let's to the Let's get into the now. show. I've got some interesting stuff here, um, and I'm going to change the order a little bit than, than what I wrote because I really want to get this Gio Bernard thing against the Cowboys. Um, we'll get into if you know if they were added, should you start them? You know the Kiki QTs, the Ty Johnsons, the Frank Gore's out. Um, Adrian Peterson, obviously if DeAndre Swift is out. How you kind of react to the guys that you picked up here in the playoffs? Um, I got a Stafford versus Hurts comparison. I want to get into. I want to shake out that Washington backfield. I want to get into what you're supposed to do with Alexander Madison. There's a lot going on, but Gio Bernard, it seems like everyone in the world is jumping on Gio Bernard because he's facing the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a horrific recent history of giving up yards to running backs. Um, found it interesting. He was not included in, uh, oh wait, because Eric, Eric Moody went to week 15. Either way, uh, like it, it's just like, it, and I'm not saying this to be cocky or anything, it seems like something Vaccaro would have written about if it was super important. And no one on our site is really touching this Gio Bernard versus the Cowboys thing. I am. And I feel like it's almost a trap, Jake. Mm, yeah, thanks for reading my well, column. I want to go to Moody first, but you started to say something. Well, that's because he's one of my sleepers for the week, so thanks for reading my column. And thanks for reading Chris Vaccaro's, Eric Moody's, and everybody else's, but not mine. I appreciate it, Nando. <laughs> I read your column, Jake. I read about the, de- the DuckTales. <laughs> so go ahead. Go to <laughs> Moody first, even though I am in no, there. I go, yeah, let me go to- you know, nobody wrote about him this week. Let me go to Moody first. Nobody's talking about him. Oh, let me get a shot. Is this of, a trap? Is this a trap game, Moody? <laughs> I was like, let me get a shot of coffee. I, it was, it, I was so silent for so long. But no, I, uh, <laughs> it, I, I do view it as a potential trap game. But it's just all about like perception. I'm like, if you're looking at Gio Bernard as a like RB two, you know, you, you may have the wrong perception. More so like an RB three. I, I could see it. My my biggest problem is just the Bengals offense as a whole. Like they've been incapable of sustaining drives without having Mr. Joe Burrow under center. One thing with Geo, I'm like he's averaged you know 13.5 opportunities per game you know over the last four you know, but he's only averaged 7.5 PPR fantasy points per game over that time frame. He's been ineffective, you know, just given the opportunity he's he's been provided. But my biggest issue is really with the offensive line. I'm like they've given up a lot of pressure uh, this season. Uh, some of that pressure ended up getting Joe Burrow injured and out for the season with a serious knee injury. And then things aren't looking any better, you know, with the uh, the backup quarterback in there. And Gio wasn't going into this season as a starter. Well, it might be backup. It might be backup to the – it might be Ryan Finley might be back in the mix now. Yeah. I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything about uh, him possibly starting again, but, I mean, he came to the end of this week, last week, whatever week you want to call it. Yeah. So, whoever heard- you have back there, you know, they're, they're going to struggle. So I think it really comes down to their, uh, you know, the Bengals offensive line going against the Cowboys with their pass rush. 
I think they'll actually be able to get some significant pressure this week. So I'm I'm all out on on Geo. Jake, mm, look, he's Jake, a lo- you know I was messing with you just to rally you up, right? Uh-huh, like, sure. So he's a low end, <laughs> low end RB two, but he's a low end RB two that I have no problem playing because you know we talk about Geo this year, and yes, the first two games, I think both of them were Joe Burrow, but the first two games are replacing Joe Mixon. 18 and 21 fantasy points. He scored a touchdown in both, so he needs this touchdown to have a big, probably 15-point day. But we just saw the Ravens, no matter who touched the ball, carve up that Cowboys defense in the run game, including Lamar Jackson. And I know Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, and people are going to say, well, Geo's not J.K. Dobbins. And is he that much different than Gus Edwards? Like, everybody wants to tout Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is a pretty straight-line running back. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the team that he's on for his success. But, you know, let's go back to it. Since week six, only the Steelers haven't done anything against them, against the Cowboys. Kenya Drake, 20 for 164 and two touchdowns. Antonio Gibson, 20 for 128 and a touchdown. Boston Scott had 15 for 70. Dalvin Cook, huge game, of course, because he's Dalvin Cook. And then Gibson the second time around, 20 for 115 and three. I'm not calling him Antonio Gibson, but the big thing here is 20, 20, 15, 20. Give me 15 touches for Giovanni Bernard. He's going to be inside the top 25 running backs. It's not amazing, but I have no problem starting him is the issue. I think that's more what anything. Like nobody wants to start him. And I'm saying go ahead and start him. Well, that's it. You know, maybe I framed the question wrong. Maybe it was more like I think the feeling that I'm get like like my fingers on the pulse of, you know, fantasy football Twitter is that Gio Bernard is in line for a humongous game because the Cowboys have given up so many yards and blah, blah, blah. And it's like there's no one kind of stepping up and being like, you know, wait a second, man. Ryan Finley might be the quarterback here. Maybe Dallas obviously realizes that they have these leaky holes and they got embarrassed. I think because TV. everybody already kind of made that point and everybody knows it. Like that, it's everybody who knows he's just Giovanni Bernard and he's not that exciting and he is only a fringe RB two and potentially even lower in worse matchups. Everybody kind of likes just like, all right, he's Gio. I don't really have an interest. So the only, the only thing you're seeing are people trying to tout him because nobody cares to argue against him anymore because you're kind of preaching to the choir, so to speak, to use that cliche. is Everybody already knows, don't use Giovanni Bernard unless you have to. But we talked about it on the rankings I show. I like him, man. You know, I like Gio, actually. Well, so that's what I was saying. We talked about it on the rankings show. Stroke. I'd use him over Kareem Hunt at this point. I know I'm getting wow. 15. Well, look, Kareem Hunt, this is what I said. We talked about it on the rankings show. Very much like Todd Gurley this year. Very touchdown reliant. He's settling into what he's done for most of the season and why I wasn't that high on Hunt this year. And, you know, it didn't work out at the beginning because he was scoring touchdowns, so I was wrong. But 8 to 12, maybe some games, 14, 15 touches. But without a touchdown, he's Todd Gurley. 50, 60 yards, and maybe you hope you get a big one. With Geo, you're getting 15 touches in your pocket. And I will take most running backs, unless you're just the dredge of the earth, for 15 touches. All right, I, I mean, Moody, would you do that over Hunt? I, I would still, I would still rather go with, rather go with Hunt. You know, I'm just worried about game flow. You know, in this game, you know, time of possession. So it's just multiple red flags for me. Like, I would play Geo if I had to. You know, I don't mind starting him as an RB three, but I just rather go with someone like Hunt that has a little bit more upside. That's just my take on it. All right, I, this, I mean, this is this is a weird. I mean, this is a week where a lot of pressure's on a lot of people, especially if you snuck into your playoffs as the number six seed. And, you know, or if you're, I mean, maybe you're the number three and you got to win and you, you've you hit some bad luck like Jake's auction team. Um, and actually, I got I got I got this later in the rundown. I've got a situation where it's like, it's Gus Edwards and 
I can't even remember who my other guy is. I've got it written down. But it's a mess. And you're looking at people like Gio Bernard as maybe like, in a way, your savior. Whereas other people are just like, hey, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed like as you're reading all this stuff all week long, um, a lot of people are higher than I think the three of us are on Gio Bernard even. Okay. If that makes sense. No. It, anyway, it, that's it, all. I just wanted I just wanted to throw that out there as a contrarian point of view. Um speaking of which, let's talk about the most added players. Um I, I go through the CBS universe. I don't know, it's just easier to find. Um Kiki QT, Ty Johnson, Adrian Peterson. I wanted to throw Chad Hansen in the mix because Salfina wrote a, a pretty good argument for why Chad Hansen should be kind of considered um, you know, as an ad and a viable start, possibly. Um, and then Gus Edwards will throw in the mix, too, even though I think his, his rostership threshold's much higher than this group, but he's kind of a start-sit decision. Um, Eric, let me start with you. Th- this group, this new crop of free agent ads, are you looking at them? Are there any that you're like, hey, I got to start, like Kiki QT in a PPR league has enough floor for me to start him in a playoff game. Um, you know, Frank Gore's out, Ty Johnson's there. I think I'd start him. How, how do you work out this new group of uh, free agent ads? Yeah, my favorite out of this group is uh, Kiki QT. Uh, I love the opportunity that he has ahead of him, you know, just given, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks with his injury concerns and, um, you know, Will Fuller out with the, you know, with suspension with the drug test. So it's just a lot of opportunity there for him. He's probably my favorite out of that group. Uh, I would say followed by uh, actually Adrian Peterson, then uh, Ty Johnson, then Chad Hansen. I can dive deep uh, deeper into QT uh, if you'd like me to, Nando. Of course, man. That's what we're here for. Please. All right. So the people demand it. They demand it, pounding the table for it. So you look at QT. Yeah. You, you look at QT. All right. You know, he caught 89 targets for 141 yards against the Colts. I'm like, you know, he's really emerging as the Texans' go-to guy, following you know Will Fuller and you know everything he was doing there. So um, one thing with Brandon Cooks and Fuller that I was looking into, I'm like, they've accumulated 31 targets of 20 or more yards this season. So QT is obviously in a great position to inherit you know, some of those targets and just wide receivers. I'm like over the last five games against the bears defense, I'm like, have, you know, have torched them, you know, on average of 19 PPR fantasy points per game. Uh, the Texans offensive line has been kind of hit or miss, you know, all season. Uh, I do see them being able to provide Deshaun Watson adequate protection against, you know, the bears pass rush. Uh, one thing with uh, Watson, I'm like, he's, you know, he's not, uh, we'll say he's not, unaccustomed to uh you know playing like under pressure when he does pretty good uh you know when he is you know being pressured you know when you look at his um you know quarterback rating you know all those different stats but i really like qt as a high-end wide receiver three this week no i like him quite a bit trying to uh, deploy him in the lineups anywhere i can high-end wide receiver three uh intimates that he'd almost be a low-end wide receiver two exactly wow all right all right jakey your take on Kiki QT, please. I think that he's a fine wide receiver three. I don't, I don't know if I would go high end, mostly because of the matchup. I'm severely concerned about in Chicago, the Chicago Bears defense, which has been great against the pass the entire year. I don't like watching Deshaun Watson run for his life a second into snapping the ball last week against the Colts. And, you know, they actually get more pressure than the Bears do. But Akeem Hicks is a huge factor when he's out there. So I just I'm legitimately concerned about Deshaun Watson this offense as a whole, uh, just because it, like he's just been running for his life, and not that Will Fuller, 
you know, is going to do much for that because he takes time to get downfield. But it's still a significant loss when you have a threat like that, you know, can soften up the defense some. But I think QT is definitely in play. I think that you could definitely consider, especially half in full point PPR. Uh, Ty Johnson, I think, is in play as well. Uh, he's very similar to what I said is like Tevin Coleman. Ask him to make one cut, hit the hole, and he can go. Don't ask him to necessarily find his own hole or make it a second and third move to get there. So if the matchup's not as great, maybe you don't get the RB2 performance. I would put him in an RB3 conversation. Peterson, don't. I'm sorry, Jake. I gotta, uh, is that with or without Frank Gore? or Bo- like, That's without Frank Gore. Johnson I'm just work? assuming okay. Gore's out for at least this week, if not longer. Uh, so with the rest of them, not really an interest in starting any of them. Adrian Peterson, you know, DeAndre Swift's coming back. I've mentioned my concerns that Bevel could make things worse than we saw for Swift or keep him in that early season five to eight touch range. That doesn't mean I want to start Adrian Peterson, though. And then same thing with Gus Edwards. That's a backfield I've been avoiding. And Chad Hansen. Chad Hansen, he's skewed by stats that people are throwing out there, even like the most snaps, the most routes. And Brandon Cooks missed a significant part of that game, making sure he didn't have a concussion. I'm not buying it to Chad Hansen for that one performance. Yeah, no, I would agree with Jake on uh, on Hanson there. I'm like, well, Ty Johnson. I'm like, you know, the Jets' offensive line isn't a isn't a world beater, and uh, you know, he looked pretty good at least with my eyes running behind that that line. I know he set a career high with 22 rushing attempts. Uh, I just kind of think back to you know the Seahawks' defense. You know, they have played you know better, uh, but you know, I just think where you have like Wayne Galman and Alfred Morris combining for 174 yards, yeah, with 24 <laughs> rushing attempts. I'm like, it's got to be something there. I know we don't get excited about starting like Jets players, but I'm like, if Gore is out, I'm like, he's in a really, really good, uh, you know, good spot. And then uh, one thing with Hanson, uh, I definitely agree with Jake there, you know, as I mentioned, for where, I mean, this is a guy who hadn't played a, a football game since his rookie season back in 2017 for the Jets. I mean, he obviously set career highs, you know, across the board. One area where I do differ, uh, where Jake and I may have a different opinion, is on uh, Adrian Peterson. Even if Swift is back, you know, I like the opportunity that Peterson has, you know, in front of him. I'm like, he's finished as an RB1 in back-to-back games without DeAndre Swift in the lineup. You know, he's averaged 16 opportunities per game. So I, I like Peterson, you know, really as a, a, a running back three, you know, with a little bit of upside, even if Swift is active. Here's 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 what I'm thinking. Here's kind of where my mind's at here. I'm like, I just doubt that they would give Swift a sizable workload like in his first game back. You know, he's missed what, you know, three games at this point and you know Peterson's making comments but he hasn't been the same, you know, since coming back from the concussion, you know, all those different things. And I just think this Lions offensive line can actually create some running lanes against the Packers. So, even if he's active, I'd be comfortable starting AP as a uh, running back 3. All right. I like that uh as someone who's kind of scrambling for backs in this league where I was the best team in the league and I got squashed the last couple of weeks. Uh, which we'll get to in a moment. I, like, I'm actually just selfishly sorting things out with you guys here. Because right so, now I got Gus Edwards. And you're trying to think of Adrian. Adrian Peterson's top girly. 40 yards. That's hope, fine. That's hope, better than what I have. No, hopefully you get a touchdown. RB3 is fine. That's where he deserves to be. That's what I'll say about that. But what if he's in on this con? What if Adrian Peterson's part of the con? Yeah, he doesn't look right walking around. He looks like he's kind of out of his head. And then all of a sudden we do come out. And it's 18 touches for DeAndre Swift. Like, again... <laughs> I'm always throwing it out there like half tongue in cheek to just say similar to with Cam Akers in the situation and with the Rams and uh, the situation every week with Baltimore. And the, there's a reason why I put Patriots games in the waiver column of I don't want to deal with this if I don't have to. I know you, everybody doesn't have that luxury, but if I can avoid starting Swift and Peterson this week until I see what Bevel's going to do with Swift active, I'm doing it even in a gravy matchup. 
Well, you know how I kind of sort of see it is, A, Peterson looked good. Like, Peterson was, uh, he looked spry. He's always I looked good. I think I someone. He looks like he's 28 years old. But, I mean, like, he's, he was breaking, I don't know. I watched him. I'm not a scout, obviously. Uh, I didn't play, obviously. But, I mean, like, Peterson looked good. I mean, if you weren't paying super close attention to that game, you looked up the screen. Like, Who's, <laughs> you know, you know who that? else looked good? Who? Alfred Morris. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I'm not there kidding go, either. Jake. There should be no. There shouldn't be any ageism. No, but there should also be a realistic understanding of what a backfield could do to you. Understand? Yeah, look, they probably both of them probably have more upside than guys around them, but their floor is also. And I say both of them. Their floor is super low. Like there is a chance you come out of this game five carries, twenty three yards for Adrian Peterson, and that was all he got. Same thing for DeAndre Swift. There's a chance. Well, same thing for Gus Edwards too. Right. I would just say that's what yeah. you have to understand of what you're getting into. So for people out there, when you're making your lineup, so to go back to that, what you said at the beginning, I was to stop overthinking it. We said this last week. Stop over. You're in the playoffs. Don't look at your opponent's lineup. Don't tinker all week long. Don't just set your best team. Evaluate your team. If you're looking down your roster and you get to your flex and you're t- talking Adrian Peterson, Swifts, Edwards of the world, and you're like, man. My third, look at me last week. I'm having to start Benny Snell and Darius Slayton. I started Darius Slayton over, I forget who it was, but like an averagey wide receiver four because I was going for the boomer bust. If you're going for the boomer bust, you play Swift, you play Adrian Peterson, you play Gus Edwards because they have that ceiling and you understand your team is probably going to lose anyway. So you're not, you don't care if he only scores three points. You're just going for that ceiling. Uh, You know what? I, I still... I still like Moody's explanation of DeAndre Swift missed all these weeks. I, I don't know what kind of coach Bevel is. Bevel. I forget what we're calling him. But, you know, I read something about how he's a super nice guy. Like, I think it was Detroit Free Press about his comments where he clarified the Patricia thing, where he understands what it's like. And that's why I didn't text him. But it was it was kind of couched in this language. Like, everyone says he's the nicest guy in the world. And he's just adding to his resume of niceness here. Um, so you would think... That he's not like one of those hard-nosed guys, as Moody kind of suggests, you know, Swift comes back. Let's not put him out full speed. The dude missed a couple weeks with a concussion, which Adrian Peterson termed head injury. That's what I'm saying. Brain injury. Yeah, but then the illness, which I don't know, man. Like, if you have a concussion, you get hit again, you puke, you know, like, that's quote-unquote an illness. I know it wasn't COVID. I mean, it could have just been a sore throat and a cold, whatever. But um, that, that's just a weird situation, man. An illness two weeks after a concussion... Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's even a, a surprise and active last second surprise and active. And what we're saying is we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what, that's what kind of makes Adrian Peterson a little more appealing to me than Gus Edwards at the moment. In the scenario that I've next created. that well, relates to your lineup. Right. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> no, no, that's no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm sure people are facing the same kind of question. Like there are a lot of injuries out there and if, you know, Antonio Gibson went down for you. You, pro- you probably made the playoffs if you had Antonio Gibson on your team, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I can almost guarantee another team had J.D. McKissick because he wasn't the straight, he wasn't the straight backup. I mean, maybe some other team actually saw the PPR potential of J.D. McKissick. Somebody was probably um, using McKissick. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't like he was just sitting on your bench as the Antonio Gibson GM. Uh, so you probably screwed that way. You probably got a little bit screwed on the Josh Jacobs thing. I mean, hopefully you had Devontae Booker. That seemed like a, a, a straight up go grab him, but. Booker kind of popped with Jacobs that one week, so anyone could have gone to grab him if you hadn't already gotten him as your straight backup. Someone could have been like, oh, let me let me bounce on him. So if you went into the playoffs with Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson, right now you're looking at 
Ty Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Gus Edwards. I mean, like, how do I sort this out? Like, I'm in a, in a way very much screwed. Sure. That's all. It's not just me, even though that's the exact scenario that happened to me. Uh, but... <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Moving along. Two wide receivers I want to talk about. Smush them together. I didn't realize I put them as number three and four in this. Uh, Moody, I'm looking at T.Y. Hilton, who suddenly had a, a renaissance. I mean, Michael Pittman shows up. Everyone's like, hey, it's going to be Michael Pittman. And it is. But T.Y. Hilton is, is just kind of like quietly under the surface, not even quietly anymore, being great. And uh, and Chase Claypool, who was just, you know, every time he took a breath, he'd score a touchdown, it seems. And he's been uh, not performing up to par the last couple of weeks. Um since you're you're our, our trust guy, uh, your last two columns have been about players you can trust in the playoffs, weeks 13, 14, 15, and 16. How are you trust-wise with T.Y. Hilton and Chase Claypool right now? I, I do trust both of those receivers. I know Hilton was someone I mentioned uh, in the column you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, take you a know, bow, man. Yeah, I just, I just think you, you want to you view him as a wide receiver three. You know, a flex option. I'm all about kind of like expectations. You know, it's almost just like when you're like doing like an investment. You know, your your expectations will determine, you know, kind of your experience with that investment, whether it was good, you know, or bad. But with Hilton, I'm like he's average over these last two games. What eight targets, six receptions, eighty-two receiving air yards. You know, nearly twenty-two PPR fantasy points. And so, you know, those that stuck with him were acquired and were traded for him. You know, they were rewarded. I'm like, he's had two targets of 20 or more yards over the last two games. Uh, he's caught both of them for 71 yards. And so I'm assuming that he'll get, you know, some of those downfield targets, you know, in, in this one. You know, the Raiders, uh, you know, wide receivers have thrived, you know, against the Raiders defense, you know, over, you know, their last five games. I'm like, you're looking at receivers who've averaged, you know, 21 PPR fantasy points per game over that time frame. So I, I like Hilton quite a bit. You look at uh, Chase Claypool. I'm like, again, I'll reiterate, you can trust him. I know the timeshare, you know, he has with uh, James Washington has some people spook. You know, it is a, a concern. Uh, but, you know, you got to look at the big picture here with, with Claypool and what he's been able to do this season. I'm like, he's averaged 6.5 targets, 53 receiving yards, 84 air yards, 14.4 PPR fantasy points this season. I think he's the perfect wide receiver three. And here's why. I'm like, he, he gives you a high floor, but he also gives you a weak winning ceiling like he did back in week five against the Eagles, where he eradicated them for 42 PPR fantasy points. He's in a great spot to go boom against the Bills, you know, for this week. I know Buffalo's given up a high number of PPR fantasy points to wide receivers, you know, over the last five weeks. So I do like Claypool, you know, quite a bit. So if you're kind of gun shy from last week, don't plug him into your lineup where you can. I think you'll be very, very satisfied with the results. So that's my take on both of those players. I do like them a lot this week. 
Jake, how about you? Uh, just going for, I, I guess, a little bit this week, a little bit over the next few weeks. Um, has, has Chase Claypool, he's not like flirting with a drop zone or anything, is he? No, but he's been what I've, I'm not as high on Claypool as Moody is. I'm not as high on Claypool as most people are. And I'm going to say the same thing I said from day one that I continue to say today. A wide receiver three, the number three option on any team, is going to be inconsistent. And unless you're going back to playing on the greatest show in turf, and even then, you're just going to be inconsistent. That's what happens. And if you look at it, you can say Chase Claypool has been fine, and he has if you throw out full numbers, but I don't think his floor is – I don't think it's as like bottom of the league. I don't think it's as good as Moody's saying. And it, you can actually kind of look at the matchups. Uh, the Tennessee game didn't make sense. He went belly up. Everybody beats the Tennessee Titans. But – he destroyed the Eagles. He destroyed the Browns. Went off against Dallas, Cincinnati, Jacksonville. Semi-quiet against Baltimore. Very quiet against Baltimore the second time. And then super quiet against Washington. So if you look at that, you can say, look, most wide receiver threes will have some value in the right matchup. You know, you're probably considering starting a third wide receiver on some teams against Jacksonville and Cincinnati and Dallas and stuff like that. So that's how I have treated Claypool. And that's how I continue to treat Claypool is that if it's a tougher matchup, not droppable. He's never droppable. But do you consider potentially benching him? Absolutely. Is he a must-start every single week? No, not in my opinion. I think you play the matchups with the number three wide receiver on most teams, and it has to do with snap counts and just being able to be out there for more routes and more opportunities because it's also, you know, sure, eight, nine, four reception or targets, but it's four, six, two receptions, the one reception against Tennessee. So it's the volatility when you have a number three wide receiver. This is Cole Beasley slash John Brown when John Brown was healthy and now Gabriel Davis. Cole Beasley's last couple of games have been as roller coaster as you get because you have two guys that are essentially mixing in as the number two option. On the T.Y. Hilton side, I'm much more in on T.Y. Hilton. Uh, something that you and I talked about on the Tuesday quick show that we did is it's not just the fact that he's been back involved these past two games, is that they're kind of doing something similar to you see other receivers late in their career or understanding when you have a talent like DK Metcalf that you just let him do what works for him. And I'm not saying, obviously, T.Y. Hill's not DK Metcalf. But what doesn't work for T.Y. Hilton anymore and with Phillip Rivers is sending him 20 yards deep on every route. So they started pulling him off and letting him run shorter routes and doing more after the catch. And that's why Hilton's starting to hit again. Pittman hasn't been left out. He's been actually out there more and seeing the same amount of opportunities. So I still think Pittman's in play, but Hilton is the one I'm more confident in than any. I would say Hilton's back into a solid wide receiver three, potentially even wide receiver two. That's crazy, man. It's, you know, know, teams sometimes like it's, you know, I got asked this last night, not doing the Washington huddle show and because it's the Washington team. They say, why is Ron Rivera start off so slow? And I said, it actually goes back to Carolina Panthers days. He's consistent. Go back and look. It's a crazy stat. He, go, he consistently falls behind in the first quarter, sometimes even into the second quarter, 7 nothing, 10 nothing, 14 nothing, 14 3. It's ridiculous. But I bring that up for this fact is it's partly because Rivera, as we know with a lot of coaches, coaches script out their first series, sometimes second series, depending if you know, they went three and out and stuff like that. But they script out a lot of the first plays to see what's working, see how the defense is going to attack them, what they're going to line up at, who's getting open, who's getting covered by who, blah, blah, blah. So they script things out just so it's planned, it's simple. Let me run this play to find this out, this play to find this out, and that type of stuff. I think Ron Rivera's too st- stuck in that and he does it for too long and I bring that up to say sometimes coaches are so set in their ways that T.Y. Hilton was used incorrectly despite not being the true T.Y. Hilton anymore despite Philip Rivers not having a great deep ball that it should have been 
earlier this year that they adapted and started asking Hilton to run shorter routes. But sometimes coaches are just reluctant to change their ways. Well, I mean, it is kind of interesting. And Moody, I'll bring in this, like Naheem Hines, uh, who you wrote about in today's column, talking about weeks 15 and 16, has kind of bubbled up. I mean, he was like maybe two weeks ahead of T.Y. Hilton. But it seems like they're adjusting on the T.Y. Hilton side. They're also adjusting on the Hines side. Uh, I know there, you know, there have been weird injuries and stuff going on there, too. And Jonathan Taylor's uh, girlfriend's COVID thing that had him out. Um, but it, it seems like Hines is kind of turning into that Austin Eckler who it looked like in the first week he was going to be and then stopped being him. And now he's almost kind of like back to being him. Um, does that, does Naheem Hines's kind of simultaneous, uh, I don't, it's not even resurgence, his surgence, uh, make you even more confident in T.Y. Hilton that like, yeah, now we're doing exactly what Jake said we're doing. We're playing to Philip Rivers strengths. Yeah. That's or does a, that have nothing to do with it? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's an intriguing, uh, theory I, I was just looking at it uh, a little bit differently just saying you've got you've got three backs you know you've got Jonathan Taylor you got Naheem Himes I'm like you've got um you know you, you've just got I guess the best way to put it I know I'm bouncing around I'm like you you know you've got these different backs you know they've they've publicly said they're all going to get touches I just feel more comfortable like with his ability to produce on a per touch basis I have more confidence in Himes than the other two backs that's what it comes down to. I'm like, he's going to get his, Taylor's going to get his, but Hines is going to finish with you know more fantasy points than those those other players. That's why I added him to the column. It's just like if he gets those touches, I'm like, he's going to be able to produce. So, right, especially PPR for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So you yeah, get, so you get another like disagreement? A... No, no, because I'm I'm on Taylor. Go ahead, Jake. 100 on Taylor at this point. It just look, uh, Naeem Hines shouldn't be a lead, and they've been getting the best out of him, and they've been doing a good job of getting the best out of him, but. Jonathan Taylor, you know, I, I know this is one of the ones that's been in the the Patriots games for a while. Like I'm ready for the rug to get pulled out every single week with Jonathan Taylor. I know it could happen. But Jonathan Taylor at this point, 15 touches of the lead dog and against the Raiders defense. I mean, he's fringe RB1 for me. No, uh, Moody, I'm going to let you. You get 30 seconds now if you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm 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 good. It's like uh because remember for you know for my column I'm looking at I'm looking for guys trying to look for guys that are that are you know off the radar. Like if I got Taylor, I'm like in many cases I'm going to have to put him in there. But I'm like a lot of people are on Taylor. I'm just trying to identify folks uh or players that you know again are under the radar or off the radar where people can still plug them through the lineups and get points, but yeah, it's everyone's going to get touches. Everyone's going to everyone's going to eat the buffet can feed a lot of people. <laughs> uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, like Indianapolis is kind of like pulling these points and yards uh, almost out of nowhere lately. It's, yeah. it's all, all ships rise kind of thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about the quarterback situation that some people might find themselves in. Um, again, this is not, this is not a me thing. <laughs> this is not going through my team this entire show. <laughs> um, but I've heard, I've heard the question like, you know, Matt Stafford's a free agent. Should I pick up Matthew Stafford? This and that. Um, and Jalen Hurts is obviously a big name out there right now who can go either way, Jake. We talked about that on the video show, too. Um, but, Jake, let me start with you. Like, If you're in a situation where you're looking at Matthew Stafford versus Jalen Hurts, um, which direction do you go in? Do you kind of go for the excitement of Jalen Hurts or do you go for the, I guess, whateverness of Matthew Stafford without Kenny Galladay? It's it's Matthew Stafford who's it's just a safe play. If you need that, we talked about it earlier. I'm going to go back to that. What does your team need? If you just need to know that you can't get destroyed at quarterback and 
the only thing you're worried about is getting potentially two points at quarterback, then you go Matthew Stafford. If your team's been wrecked and somehow like mine made the playoffs, I'd be rolling out Taysom Hill. And that's Jalen Hurts for a good comparison of how bad it could be is if Taysom Hill's not rushing for touchdowns. Ooh, you're probably getting three or four points. And it was last week he passed a little bit more, which was respectable. It was good to see him throwing. So not in that game, but you understand what I'm saying about the first two games. Jalen Hurts could throw multiple interceptions. He's got that Jameis Winston similarity of making poor decisions, trying to be too aggressive, and he's a rookie thrust into a role that he should not have been thrown into because I don't think the Eagles wanted to throw him into that role. And that's why they drafted him. It's kind of the uh, go back to Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, let you sit for a year, maybe two, maybe even three, and start to develop as a passer because he struggles with progressions. But the fantasy appeal is he's got Colin Murray rushing upside. He can run for 80, maybe even 100 in a game, and over the course of a season, seven to 800 rushing yards. So that's where the Taysom Hill com- comparison comes in, too, is that for fantasy purposes, he runs for a touchdown, runs for 60 yards, and has an okay passing day, top 15 quarterback. But you have to understand the floor. You saw how bad it could go. You saw that interception. You saw some of his poor throws. That's the downside of Jalen Hurts. Uh, Moody, let me flip it to you uh, kind of w- with an added wrinkle. Okay. If if you've been starting Kyler Murray all year, um, do you consider starting Stafford or Hurts over Kyler Murray this week? Not dropping Kyler Murray, but, you know, got that extra bench spot. Uh, would you consider that? I wouldn't. I would still uh, go with uh, with Murray in that scenario. Uh, I think Jake and I may look at, like, Hurts and, and Stafford, like, a little bit, a little bit differently. <sighs> I know one thing where if you're in the in the playoffs and I'm like if you're truly looking at this scenario or, or, or one that's similar, uh, I just prefer you know Hertz upside over over Stafford. I'm like you look at his numbers. I'm like he completed what, five of twelve passes for 109 yards, one touchdown, and an interception against the Packers. You know he rushed for 29 yards on five attempts. You know that rushing upside. Uh, but I just think that I'm like he's been in meetings. You know he's been at practice. I'm like. He's watched with all of us Carson Wentz struggle. You know, deer in the headlight, shook. You know, everyone, you insert your your comment. I'm like, you guys been getting trashed on uh, on Twitter and you know on sports talks radio, etc. So I'm like, his time has passed. They're giving Hurts the nod, but I don't think that this really came as a surprise to Hurts. Whether it's the head coach, the offensive coordinator, position coach just conversations on the side. It could be after, you know, a film session. It's like, Hey, your, your time's coming, you know, be, be ready. So I think he'll be more mentally prepared than what people, uh, the people may think. And he, and he's going into this week knowing that he's the starter. It's not that halfway through the game. It's like, okay, time to go in, bud. You know, let's go get your feet wet. I'm like, that's a lot different for where you're preparing that week, knowing that, Hey, I'm going into play. One thing that's notable. Uh, I haven't really heard too many people mention this, but you look at Hertz, you look at Jalen Rager, you look at Greg Ward, all Texas guys. I'm like, I love that note in your call. That was that was a nice deep dig. Yeah, me. no, thank you. I mean, they're they're all they're all Texas guys. Um, you look at that trio. You know, they combined you know three completions for 83 yards, like in a touchdown. I'm like, these are guys that competed in Texas football, which is very very competitive. Probably one of the most competitive states when it comes to high school football in the country. And so it can get cutthroat. These guys were competing and hustling, you know, to come out on top. That rivalry also continued in the college. So there's some rapport there. And now they find themselves on this on this additional stage. And and, and they want to show out. You know, they don't want to uh, they have this opportunity. They want to make the most out of it. So now I know what you may be thinking is that, OK, Hertz doesn't have an ideal matchup against the Saints. 
I get that. But I'd rather gamble on the element of surprise where you have someone that they don't have a lot of film on who has the element of surprise, you know, making its first start rather than quote unquote, play it safe, you know, with Matthew Stafford. So I think it's a calculated risk to take, but again, it all comes down to what other elements that you have on your roster to determine how much risk that you can take at certain positions. But I love Hurts this week though. I'm eating this up, man. I just imagine my, and Jake, I'm sorry. I'm falling on the moody side of a lot of the stuff today. No, it's Um, fine. Look, Hey, I've watched 15 years of film. You don't want me starting a quarterback. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, Jake is wow. All right, Jake's bitter. We're gonna have bitter Jake for the no, rest of the show. No, it's, it's not bitter at all. I'm just no, saying. No, no, no you, not at all. Yeah, no, no, you're right. No, no, you no. can watch all the film you want. I still question his decision making, which wasn't going to be fixed in one game or you know ten weeks of watching film. In my opinion, I agree on the upside. I'm just not throwing out the fact that I know the the risk. There is risk for negative fantasy points with Jalen Hurts. Let's be honest. You know what I'm just excited for, as as someone you know who could who could make this decision. Um, I, man, I just wish I had more hurts, and maybe it end up being a DFS thing. But I'm I'm, well, I got a couple of his cards, but like 4:25 Sunday, I just want to I want to sit on my couch, and watch Jalen Hurts play. And if you want to do and that, like there's a lot of people like you. No, no, no. There's a lot yeah. of people. Go go ahead. That's the fun of fantasy and football. I mean, like, yeah, that's the if fun. It's that close, you know. Yes. I'm not going to start him over someone dumb, but if it's that close, like I just, and I'm a Giants fan too, so I want the Eagles to lose. I would just love to see Hurts go nuts. I, I have don't know why this look, is a fun guy to watch. I have Hurts at 16, one spot in front of Stafford, and like, but I understand that Hurts could finish his quarterback 30. He can finish at quarterback five. I know Stafford's range is probably 14 to 20. Like he's just going to fall in that area. So that was my statement from the jump off. If I know my team is good. I'm not in my first matchup or in to get into the playoffs for the people that still only play four teams in the playoffs. If my playoffs are on the line and my team is that good, I'm just, I'm not going to go with the Hurts. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Uh, both of you are making yeah. very fair points. I'm just a child who wants to watch Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and you certainly um, can. Look, it's the same thing <laughs> I tell you, everybody. Not, not, no, 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 I, I say this all the time too. Like the rankings are a guide. The rankings are at best any given year, 70, 75, maybe percent accurate. And they're going to be wrong because it's football, it's sports, it's unpredictable. There's a third percent of luck involved every single year. If you want to start Jalen Hurts, if you want to start Jalen Hurts over Justin Herbert, you have my blessing. It's your team. Enjoy it. Yeah, Jakey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Okay. I don't know where you guys want to go with this. We don't have a ton of time left. Um, I got a couple, I like, I don't, we've already basically talked about my team and the decision I'm kind of sweating out. Um, you know, let me ask you both real quick, Alexander Madison, Moody, I'll start with you. Uh, let's say you have Dalvin cook, but I guess even if you don't, I mean, if you're just hoarding other people's handcuffs, um, do we drop him? Is he droppable or are you making a big mistake if you do that? Yeah, I would consider holding him uh, if I do have a uh, Dalvin cook, but if, if I don't, you know, he, he's droppable. I'm like, he didn't practice on uh, Wednesday and, He's trending towards being ruled out. I'm like, 
Dalvin Cook has been a monster over the last four games. I think he's averaged 32 opportunities per game. And then let's say in the unfortunate scenario, definitely don't want this to happen, but if Cook were injured and out for the season, you know, I believe we're looking at a committee, you know, if Madison were to return. I just don't think they're going to give him the keys to the Corvette and let him go to work. Uh, he, he will be uh, restricted. <laughs> Jake, how about you? Uh, Do you feel yeah. safe doing that? Yeah, dropping Alexander Madison. And just the fact that he, like, he could not even be back in time. And then everybody else behind him. There's no backup option to go get. It's not Amir Abdul. Yeah. It's not CJ Ham. It's not Mike Boone. It's just stay, you know, just hope Delvin Cook stays healthy. I feel like it'll be Amir Abdullah. Just a hunch. I just want to put that out there. So later in life, I can point to this clip and say, well, you know, I called Amir Abdullah. And then delete it when it's CJ Ham or Mike Boone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll cut that right out. Um, I want to talk DSTs very quickly before we go. Um, Cowboys DST and Jets DST in particular. Uh, well, actually, the, well, so the Texans DST, everyone's going after right now for good reason. Um, opponents. But I think it's like the Texans, then the Vikings, and the Texans again for the next three playoff weeks. So they're the hot one. Um, Cleveland. But, uh, Cal- yeah, Cle- well, I feel like, wasn't Cleveland like above that threshold of? Not yet. Still, people, are wait- right. people wait too long. So I put this uh, I put this in here last night, and I don't remember why I put the Cowboys DST in. Maybe they have a good matchup. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, but real Cincinnati. quickly. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati this week. Oh, that's it. All right, then that's why. No, I know why. They're one of the most added. They're like the third most added entity yeah, on CBS. At Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but are we worried that maybe that's, I mean, you, how much do you rely? So I've seen people pass up on the Washington football defense. That's dumb. And go for the Cowboys. Silly, Jakey? Stupid. Or, uh, that's what I was thinking. All right. <laughs> the f- the All fact right, that fine. we talked about this on the Tuesday short show, Nando, the fact that Washington was still under 30% on Yahoo was baffling to me. And I don't care. Pittsburgh last week, then don't drop them. We're don't start. I mean, they were still a solid start last week, but then don't drop. Like the the Washington defense gets one of the best pressure rates, and something credit to Pat and you both. You both bring these things up. You found them differently in different styles and brought these things up. But the thing you want for a fantasy defense, there's one specific thing you can look at, and it's on both sides of the ball. You need to do look at allowed pressure rate. And look at defenses getting pressure rates on quarterbacks because what does that mean? Sacks. That's the easiest thing to count for for a defensive fantasy team. The second thing is because you're getting that pressure rate, potentially leads to turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, both of those. So that's where you go. You want the defensive teams that are getting pressure. You want the teams that they're facing to give up pressure. And you look down the list, and that's where you start going. And, you know, the Cowboys against Cincinnati are in play as a defensive one situation because it's one of their better situations for that combination. So that's why the Washington team has been a solid play all year long. And I'll include to say one thing, Nando, is that's why on the flip side this week, people are asking, how do you have the Rams all the way down at 11? Well, the Rams actually do get decent pressure, but the Patriots don't give up fantasy points to defenses. They've only allowed double digits once because they don't give up too much pressure. Cam Newton doesn't get sacked and Cam Newton takes off running and doesn't throw that much to get turnover. So these are the things you look for for fantasy defense. This is how you make good fantasy defensive decisions all year long. I like it, Jiggy. Uh, Eric Moody, the Jets defense, they have a new coordinator. Some of the comments after the last game Mm -hmm. uh, directed at Greg Williams, uh, indirectly, directly, it made it seem like the players just did not like him, and he's he's not been known as a very popular. 
I mean, he had that one amazing bright shining star moment with the Browns when he was the interim coach and you know, brought them, to, I guess, to somewhat respectability. Um, but besides that, you know, yeah. the whole Bounty Gate scandal and like this mess with the Jets. I mean, is this a breath of fresh air that could maybe tighten up the Jets' defense right now, or is it beyond repair? Should should we just look elsewhere and just completely forget about the Jets? I just I just was wondering if like a new defensive coordinator this late in the season with a guy who's not historically popular being deposed um could that do something could that jar a little bit of life into this defense i I think it can uh you know i can buy into that narrative now i'll I'll just be crystal clear you know i'm not uh advocating you know let me just go stream you know the jets you know defense but i'm like if you're in a really really deep league and you're really looking for an option i'm like they could be viable but but here's the reason why I, i would say like the linebackers have probably been one of the few bright spots of the jets defense and uh, that's where, you know, Frank Bush comes in. So he was coaching the uh, the linebackers, and he's also the uh, assistant uh, defensive coach, I believe. And so, you know, you got guys like uh, like Hewitt and Lange. I'm like, you know, they, they've thrived, you know, under this guy's uh, leadership. And so Bush, you know, was the defensive coordinator of the Texans back uh, from 2009 to 2010. Like, he led Houston to franchise lows for fewest points and yards allowed per game in 2009. So I, I do see them kind of rallying around him and, and playing well. Because as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, when talking about the Jets, I'm like, you know, they're not only playing for the rest of the season, but they're also playing for, for next season too, you know, assuming that Adam Gase will, will be removed. You know, that's a whole nother conversation if he's not. But I'm like, you know, they've got skin in the game, you know, for uh, their, their roles and livelihoods for next year. So I think they will, uh, they'll perform well. Can you imagine if he's not? I, I don't. I don't want to imagine that. That sounds like that sounds that right, sounds well, like <laughs> that sounds like a a dark multiverse, Jake from um you know like Marvel or DC. That that's like a timeline or a what if scenario. We don't want to go down, right? <laughs> we we don't have time to get into that. I mean, <laughs> we should have brought that up earlier. <laughs> Jets uh Jets at Seattle. I mean, maybe that's a weird. If you're doing DFS, maybe that's a an interesting DFS pivot, like a fired up Jets defense. But, I mean, it's, it's Seattle. They don't make a ton of mistakes. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I want to wrap up the show with Lynn Bowden. Bowden. Well, I found out, by the way, watching the game, it's Bowden. Played a decent amount. Looked really good. Uh, Brandon Howard wrote that Tua might connect with him because he plays that style of ball that's that's that feeds right into the way that Tua plays. Um, Jake. I know it sounds insane. Maybe we'll just wrap this up. This is in the maybe if you're setting a DFS lineup and you want to just kind of go off to the side a little bit and try something wacky. But is there an argument to be made that that his game, you know, four receptions, forty some yards, uh, run for seventeen or whatever, um, is kind of like maybe the beginning of a late season decent run between him and Tua? For or no, for who again? Lynn got, Bowden Jr., man. I got confused in that whole setup there. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, I tried to confuse you. Uh, How? What? You How say, is that confusing? Because I Who? wasn't sh- Yeah, I just wasn't sure where you're going. I'm sorry. I, I lost right, track. No, of I just want to know. If- so, anyway, Lynn Bowden. Which, what about him? <laughs> let's, say really, has, let's say he has, let's say he's 86, let's say he's 8670 this week. I don't think he's getting that. Is that what your question is? Is he even I'm fantasy saying, startable? Well, I don't think he's fantasy startable. After that, if I, he does that, where so so you're saying all that's coming in the passing game, or are you seeing this combined touches with someone at the backfield? 
I Never think, mind, Jake. We'll just finish the show. No, no, no. I'm asking you. Like that's, <laughs> that's where I'm going with it next. That's my next setup. I was. I'm not confused anymore. That's a legitimate question. Back for you. I just want to know if what he did last week was the seed of something that can grow into this like last three week surge. And I don't think I think it's unfair to put him in the context. Right. Of, that's that's where I, that's where I was playoffs. going. I was just saying like so it's like right. maybe J.D. McKissick where more in the passing game, some rushing game. That's where I was asking. It's like if he's getting combined usage, then I can get interested. If it's all purely the passing game, I'm still going to be hesitant with anybody on this team because two is at quarterback again, and he can't even really do a whole lot with Devontae Parker, even when he's targeting him. Gasicki had his first good game with Tua, so I want to see combined uses. That's where I was going with it. And all if right. he gets, com- I-, I was only. Only passing game? I don't, I just don't see him getting that. That's the problem. Is I don't see him getting to eight and you know six and seventy and all that type of stuff. Yeah, well, I was I was only asking because uh, Brandon Howard had written some really smart stuff about him. Emory Hunt was a big fan of him uh, earlier in the season. His name just kept coming up, and this was the game I like where it was him. like, okay, he's involved. You know, like he's finally involved. Yeah, I absolutely like him. It's just I don't I just don't see him getting to that. I want to I want to see combined use. That's that's where I'm going. Is I don't see him getting. Eight targets, six receptions. I see maybe eight touches combined with some work out of the backfield, and then that's okay. Take us home, Moody. Take us home about Lynn Bowden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I can do that. Um, I'll, 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 I'll t- touch on him, then I'll bring it all together. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with Jake. The the touches or opportunities is really the the big uh, the big key there. And plus, who knows what's going to happen? You know, with the other injuries and things that they're dealing with, if he's either going to be able to get those opportunities. I think if you're in a really, 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 really deep format, you can roll the dice with them. Because what he had, what five uh, opportunities for like 52 yards last week. So. You know the the seeds are being planted there, but it's not a guy I'm rushing to uh, to get out there. So, all right, I'll, all right Nando, I'll, I'll close this out then. So I'll, I'll bring it all together for us. So you know we've got a lot of great content. Yes, a lot of great columns from Jake Seeley, myself, and the rest of the team uh, at the Athletic. As Nando mentioned earlier, we've got fantasy basketball content. You know Eric Wong and myself. You know that's getting uh, turned out. And so reach reach out to us on Twitter. You know I know Jake's very active, answering questions like what's myself, and also in the comments as well as the articles. And so hey, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Everyone have a great day. Happy Week 14. And we'll be back next week. Good luck, everybody. Yeah.